8.46. This week's quotes, Professor Anjun Song, the Graduate School of International Studies at Yonate University. Good morning. Oh, good morning, Alex. Let me start with a longish quote from US President Donald Trump speaking at the National Assembly here in Korea this week. Like Korea, and since my election exactly one year ago today, I celebrate with you. The United States is going through something of a miracle itself. Currently stationed in the vicinity of this peninsula are the three largest aircraft carriers in the world, loaded to the maximum with magnificent F-35 and F-18 fighter jets. In addition, we have nuclear submarines appropriately positioned. The United States, under my administration, is completely rebuilding its military and is spending hundreds of billions of dollars to the newest and finest military equipment anywhere in the world being built right now. I want peace through strength, he said. So, is this a change in attitude, and if so, why? Well, I guess the, um, he's sending a message, but um, I was surprised, actually, personally, he changed his kind of ad, you know, <clears throat> attitude about how to deal with the North Korean issue or the, even the South Korean issue, right? And he, he didn't even specifically talk about Korea-US FTA renegotiation. In the speech, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not even during the speech. I don't think he really... I mean, he he was quoted as telling um, American troops at uh, Camp Casey that he was going to work on that deal and and create more jobs back at home. Mm -hmm. So that was the context. Well, that was the main public comment on that subject. But, But other than that, we didn't get too much. Yeah, I think that his cue, I just uh, uh, go, went through his uh, f- uh, full text of his speech. I, I found that uh, from personal, uh, personal, I think the key word is celebration, actually. <laughs> the way I saw it is celebrate. He said, he said, I celebrate with you, basically. So because he's celebrating his uh, one-year anniversary of election, right? I think that's a key word because the, the things really he care about is, is a second year ter- year of, as a U.S. presidency. And now he has changed his, you know, approach to the, some, you know, you know, serious agendas, right? I mean, some people thought of it as something like a history lesson followed by a celebration, as you just said it. Was it really a speech aimed at making sure South Koreans know that President Trump respects this country and a speech celebrating the U.S. military achievements as a way of telling North Korea, don't mess with us? Uh, I think there's two points, actually. I think he did try to, you know, persuade Koreans saying that he's care about, you know, South Korean people. But I think the same, but on the other hand, I think kind of his was overcooking, you know what I mean, going too far. Because I was surprised that he, that he uh, one of, some of his comment was surprised to some Koreans because we don't even know some facts. But he just talked about something, that, you know, regular Koreans do not really care to know about some, you know, trivia things about Korea, right? So how many authors, you know, how many books published per year? Like, I was like, how did you get the numbers, right? But, but I mean, I, I, I just want to say in his defense that he, what he was doing by pointing that out and the golf, the <laughs> golf question it was, right, right. was recognizing that Korea has a lot more to offer beyond just money. Because he, he, before that, he said, you know, it's not just about uh, figures. It's, it's about a contribution to the world, which it goes far into other areas as well. And, and, he, and I think... Rather than just making that empty comment, he backed it up with, with those statements. Mm, right. It's a pretty long speech, anyway, so over 30 minutes. Yeah. Of very, very well, he, he held my attention for the duration. <laughs> and I, I honestly can't criticize him on any of the, actually, the ground. It took personally. me for a while actually reading the full text. Wow, it's like so long. I, I, I thought it looked a bit weird when some of the South Korean lawmakers were refusing to clap. 
Oh, refuse? Oh, yeah, some right. Because some some of them were holding the applause back completely when he was praising South Korea, and it's like, wait a minute, don't you agree? <laughs> <laughs> I, obviously, I know why they were holding back their applause, but anyway, do you think that there was any major change in tone that would have an impact on the U.S. position on dealing with North Korea? Actually, I don't think so. Actually, I think just he just put it in a more diplomatic way, but sending same message, you know, basically, you know, same as Obama. Really? Uh, oh, yeah, very sounds very similar. Sounds but, very but much like strategic maybe tr- I don't think he's talking about patience because he talked, called the regime has, you know, pre- America's past restraint as weakness. Do not underestimate us and do not try us. I don't think Obama expressed that kind of expression. Do not try us. Right? No, he didn't say those kinds of things, but I feel like the reality, the policy is still the same. It's come on, North Korea, come forward. We can do a deal if you denuclearize. We know North Korea is not going to do that. So whether you feel patient or not, it's still standing by and being forced to wait for North Korea to do something in order to find a breakthrough. Unless, you, you know, yeah, you know yeah, yeah, he, yeah, didn't, yeah. he didn't express any way that they're going to force the issue, put it that way. Well, perhaps in, in practice, maybe similar effect, but I think that, I don't think Obama or other previous uh, former president talk about, you know, bragging about his, you know, U.S. military asset is surrounding me here, so, you know, don't mess with me, no. basically, right? Well, th- yeah, like I said, I don't disagree <laughs> at all that the rhetoric's different. Um, and and certainly, the, the, you know, sanctions have been ramped up, but we had oh. sanctions before, and we had bold talk about putting pressure on North Korea, putting a vice-like grip on North Korea until North Korea comes forward for talks. Mm-hmm. It feels like that's been the approach for years, and I'm not sure practically how different the current policy is to be honest uh but peace through strength yes uh, I think he, he did yeah. emphasize that he got a bit of a round of applause for that well it's kind of you know the 1980 that you know ronald reagan used that phrase during his you know election campaign against jimmy carter because the idea is like a military power can help preserve peace right the idea but however there are some critics about the, that phrase because peace through the strength can be you know can easily become peace through war because you are, I mean, you're really talking about the military well, also, right? The, the implication there is um, of a certain superiority because it, it only works if the US has the strength as opposed to North Korea. Right, and, they, he, and he just talked about it, right? It's like F- peace through comparative yeah, strength. Yeah, F- F-35, F-18 fighters, you know, mm. you know nuclear yeah. submarine, right? Uh, um, it, it only works one way. Uh, if North Korea... I mean, because that's effectively also what North Korea says. North Korea's rhetoric, anyway, <laughs> when it's not threatening to turn people into a sea of fire, is that they justify a nuclear program as a way of uh, keeping peace in the region at the expense of uh, the US. But, but um, what about the DMZ visit that never happened? Uh, let's just pretend for a moment it might have happened. Um, <laughs> uh, Trump right. did, did, did try to land in a helicopter, we're told, but President Moon had already landed and mm-hmm. apparently had suggested it why why would he wanted that so much president moon well i guess sending message to those koreans i mean the i mean the the regular i mean ordinary person because there will be the story about you know moon jae-in and then donald trump was together at the you know dmz and you know talking about it and something they they go as far as they can go right legally currently right so sending message to those koreans i guess you know you're not we come in peace basically right Let's leave it there. We're going to pick up this topic again because it's, it's just the latest episode in our series of discussions on North Korea. But we've got this one from home. Uh, this is actually a professor, Professor Usok Jin at Myeongji University. 
The patience of real estate investors typically lasts longer than the term of the current administration, which would bow out in five years. Hence, those measures may not be so strong in the long term. So the government's been trying to stabilize house prices, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is, is that really what's stopping house prices from being stabilized? The fact that people are able to see past the government's measures then? Actually, if you talk about what we mean by stabilization, because I think the, the price has been already stabilized in a different way. Because, you know, there's some government statistics, like top 1% of the Korean, right, own 55% of private land, and top 10% own 97% yeah. of the land, you know, 2012, right? So, I mean, and, and you, you see the number? So, so the 1% own more than half, 10% own over 90%. So, isn't it already stabilized <laughs> in a way? Because if you're top 1%, do you care about five years? Oh, you wait. You have so much land, right? Yeah. I mean, it looks like right. it looks like it's locked up. So that stability is a problem for for the rest of us outside the one percent or even outside the ten yeah. percent, where by nature most of us are. How can the government stabilize then prices in the long term? I think the first thing they stop telling us lie. They can stabilize it. Just, just tell the truth, right? It's not going to make it. So I think that's come. Perhaps the way you can do it is let the market control it because sometimes you over regulation. This sort of market more, but do people need to have multiple homes? It depends. I mean, say you're you're, you're married couple and your you know your spouse have job in different city. Maybe you need a two Wait, house, right? Or your partner snores and you need a separate house. Uh, but separate rooms, <laughs> right? <laughs> separate rooms is one thing. Separate houses, I'm not so sure. I don't know. I mean, oh, your plugs. I made the. <laughs> I made this right? point earlier on, but I, I just feel that. You know, yes, there's nothing particularly wrong with uh, building up a, a real estate portfolio. But if you've got a situation where most of the country is not able to own a home, then something's gone too far. And you've got to, I, I, maybe I, I'm wrong, but I can't see anything beyond regulation as a solution there. Yeah, I don't think the regulation is not the uh, solution for this you know, situation because we have been. But, but we, you can't either leave it to time. the market. The market's I mean, not going to. That's what the government said, but they've been really heavy to regulate for over like mm. 50 years or 60 years. What happened? I mean, yeah. this price went up, right? Well, maybe it's the wrong regulations. Um, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Always good to have you here, Professor Anjan Song of the Graduate School of International Studies, Yonsei University. And that's our show for today. We'll be back on Monday, 7.05. We'll have plenty more to talk about from the international arena. It's going to be a busy few days with President Xi Jinping, that very special guy, as President Trump described him, in the mix. Chris Cape with Kardashian next after your latest news headlines.